In episode 531 with Max Lamena, we talk about how to avoid food waste. We give you so many tips and tricks on how to become a better cook, how to stop wasting your money and your food and throwing food out, plus so much more. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, Comparisonitis, and Time Magic. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited about this episode because as you will hear, Max and I have known each other for a very long time, so it's awesome to have him and his wisdom on the show today. And for those of you that have never heard of Max, he is an award-winning author, low-waste chef, and digital creator whose casual approach to cooking has captivated an audience of over 1.2 million followers across his social media accounts. Inspired by his own life experience, he creates simple, affordable dishes that use as much of each ingredient as possible. This is one of the things that I love about him. I love that he uses the whole ingredient. I'm going to teach you how to do that in today's episode. His viral, easy-to-follow recipe videos have ranked up over 1 billion views across socials. That's pretty amazing. And for everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 531. Now let's bring on the incredible Max LaManna. Max, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you and I'm very fascinated for this question. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Oh, what did I have for breakfast? Melissa, I'm here in the UK. I haven't had breakfast yet. I've only had a glass of water, but I think for breakfast, I have friends coming over today. So my breakfast is going to be probably be limited because I'm just cooking and preparing dishes. I have about six or seven courses that I'm making. So I kind of pick as I go. It's not the best answer. However, I know what I'm going to eat tomorrow, and that's going to be pancakes. Oh, yes. Yum. Delicious. Okay, so where was my invite to come over for dinner, right? Yeah, we will send you in the jet. We'll send you to fly over just for the dinner. (laughs) You are such a beautiful friend. So is there a special occasion tonight for the dinner with your friends or is this just because? It's a little bit of, it's a little bit of everything. It's It's just because I have some food in the fridge that needs to be cooked. You know, it's end of summer, so I want to hang out with friends. I haven't seen them. I haven't really occupied and used the space that I have in London to have friends over and have a beautiful balcony where I have, you know, a long table. And so being able to serve friends is, you know, a real joy and passion of mine. I bet when you send out that text message inviting your friends over for dinner, they're like, clear the schedule. It doesn't matter what I had on. If Max is cooking for me, I am there. There are some people who are like that, though I did have one friend who said, I'll let you know on the day. I'm like, what? No, you're going to let me. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, the seats might be filled. So act accordingly. You're missing out. Yeah. No, I, you know, I understand people, people have busy, busy schedules. Everyone has a, you know, endless to-do list and You know, sometimes I'm not the best at planning. So sometimes it might just be in the moment and I might text people and say, are you free tonight? You want to come over? I'm cooking. But I did give, you know, two week warning to to my friends. Yeah, beautiful. Well, if you sent me that text message, I would be there for sure. Next time. Yeah, definitely. So to give a little bit of backstory to everyone, you and I first met in Bondi so many years ago, like maybe 10 years ago, I can't actually remember. And you were dating a friend of mine. And since then, after meeting you there, I have been following you on social media and I have loved watching you grow and your journey evolve. But for those who have not heard of you, who haven't followed you for the past 10 years like I have, 
Can you tell us your story and how this all started for you? Yeah, it was nice meeting you all those years ago. And what a beautiful part of the world, Bondi. When I moved there, I had no idea. I didn't look it up. I didn't know exactly where I was living. And then, you know, you end up walking onto the Bondi Beach and you just go, what? No, I've seen this beach in pictures and and books. I've seen the icebergs. And it's just like, it blew my mind. I, I was so taken aback. Back to my story and how I got there. I started working in food when I was 15, 16 years old and always worked in food. It was always the the single through line through everything that I ever did. But it wasn't my passion. It wasn't my true, real calling. And I was a model and an actor at the time and living in New York City. And then I moved out to Los Angeles and I met your friend and your friends had come to Australia. And I said, yeah, sure. Everything just, things come into my life and I'm, I'm not someone who dwells or thinks and contemplates on, you know, moments and opportunities. If it feels right, I go for it. And I let my, my gut tell me where to go. And that's where I ended up. And, you know, things ended up leaving me coming back to the U.S. And now I'm here in the U.K. So, you know, I'm just following my heart, following my gut. And how did you end up in the U.K.? Yes. So I started social media as soon as I came back from Australia. Started social media, started cooking, started sharing my story, my journey, why I love cooking, why I want to reduce food waste in the kitchen, in the home. And I noticed a large percentage of my following, you can see this in your, in your insights and your data, where people are tuning in from. The largest audience I had was in the UK, in London. Half my audience was London. I thought, I've never been to London. Why is this the case? So I connected with a few friends that I was communicating with on, on social media and said, you know, I, I host these supper clubs. I host these pop-ups in my, my apartment in Brooklyn. And I'd love to do something similar to that effect in London, maybe at a restaurant or in a, in a space that can hold people 50, 100 people for me to cook. So booked my flight, made a three-week trip. I wanted to connect with people. The reason why I cook is to connect with people. Making recipes is great, but if there's no one there to eat the food, then it's it's not really that the cycle, the circle hasn't been completed. So I, I connected with people who were following me and ended up meeting my wife and everything from there. Just, I, I ended up saying, I mean, this is, it's, it's beautiful how journeys start and end and continue to grow. Mm-hmm. You make incredibly delicious things. And I look at your Instagram and I'm just like drooling. It's just so good. But one of the many things I love about you and your work is the passion for reducing food waste. There's not many people out there that are doing that, like what you're doing. And that really drew me into you because there's so many incredible cooks out there, but you literally are using everything. And I think I remember seeing, it was probably years ago, I can't remember, but you were using banana skin and you were cooking with banana skin. You were making like tacos with banana skin. And I was like, what? And from there, you really did inspire me to use the entire food. You don't throw anything out, which I absolutely love. And, you know, I'm really into composting and I'm really into using everything. And like, if I have any scraps, making a veggie broth and things like that. So there's so many things that I've been inspired by your work and just love so much. So I want to talk about food wastage and flipping our ideas about what parts of the food we should eat and what parts we should throw away. So I remember when I first saw someone putting the green tops of their strawberries into their smoothie, my mind was blown. I was like, whoa, like I've never been taught to do that. You always discard that. Now I always throw the entire strawberry into my smoothie. Like why not? It's just so crazy. So can you share with me how you got into that passion? Like where did that come from? Was it something that someone said to you? And can you give us any other little tips or tricks to really reduce our waste? Absolutely. Food waste is a huge problem. Globally, there are a billion people who are struggling to put food on their table. 
especially during these times, but it's it's been around for decades and centuries. There's always been starved, you know, people who are struggling to put food on the table and, and into their, their stomachs. I remember as a child, my mother saying something along the lines of, don't waste your food. You know, there's starving people in the world. And I always thought, oh, the, you know, the world is so big. It's over there. You, you know, as a kid, you don't see this. But I actually grew up down the road from a soup kitchen. So there were, I went to school seeing people line up outside a soup kitchen, getting ready to go inside to have their meal for the day. So it was really prevalent in my life as a child. And then, you know, having worked in restaurants and seeing food being thrown away, it didn't really cross my mind. I just thought, oh, that's just part of the process. This is what happens. It wasn't until actually when I was in Australia, when I was in Sydney, and seeing at one of the farmer's markets a pile of compost. And I just thought, I've never seen this. People were coming in with their compost and dumping their compost into this pile. And I thought, this is interesting. What a beautiful action and a way to bring community together, to bring, you know, the planet and the health of the planet and focus. That got me, that got me started. That got me thinking, well, what do we do with this? And what happens to this when we throw that away? And where does this all go? So, you know, when I ended up coming back to New York, I started applying tips and tricks that I started learning. Okay, how can I use the whole ingredient? I simply look at the ingredient and go, let's see if I can use this whole ingredient. What can I do here? And, you know, there are parts of ingredients that, you you know, it's really hard to eat or it's inedible or it's poisonous. Things you're not allowed to eat. But for me, it always was about the, for the health of the planet and the health of my money, you know, because we earn money to then spend money on food that we end up wasting. So we essentially are throwing away our money. And I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. So there are ingredients that we can, we can use up and, and get more creative and, and think a little bit more thoughtfully about the food that we bring into our own homes. I think for one, we often overbuy. We, we buy too much food. We think, oh, yep, yep, we'll have this, we'll have this. And we're like supermarkets. We like to have our refrigerators full of ingredients, just like the supermarket shelves. They put these beautiful pyramids of avocados or, you know, beautiful stacked apples and bags and bags of spinach and, and lettuce leaves and whatever. Everything's filled to the brim because they're creating this illusion that it's bountiful. We have more where this came from. Go on, take it. I can go deeper into that side of the story and why that is, but that might be another time for us to have a chat. I think we, we should be more mindful of how much we bring into our own, home, our own homes and how we use the food when we have it. I totally agree with you. And like you were saying, we're virtually throwing money away. So what I do, I go to the organic farmer's markets every Sunday And so on Sunday morning before I leave, I open my fridge and my freezer and I write down, I have three oranges left. I have two lemons left. I have two sweet potatoes. So I write everything down because I know how much I need for my family and I don't want to overbuy because it either goes off and I have to then throw it in the bin because it will get moldy or we don't get to it. Then I go into the next week with gross avocados and the amount of avocados I've had to throw out in my lifetime because they go disgusting is not nice. So that's what I do. And maybe people can do this. They can first thing in the morning before you go to the farmer's market, write down everything that you already have in your fridge. Because I don't know about you, but I've definitely gone to the market, forgot I already had a punnet of strawberries. And then I get home and I'm like, oh, I already had a punnet of strawberries. And now I've got two punnets and we're not going to get through that many, whatever it is. That's just an example, but whatever it is, and then you end up wasting it. So do that little check-in, that little inventory before you go to the farmer's market so that you're not wasting food and wasting your money. Absolutely. This is what chefs do. You're Chef Melissa. So this is what we have to do. I mean, it makes more sense. I think think some people, I've, I've, I've had conversations with friends and family and folks who say, oh, but it's just doing that extra step. It's, I got to check. It's like, well, you could buy the food that you don't need, then you end up having to throw that away and then your bag is going to get full or your compost bin is going to get full or 
then you're going to have to take that out. And that's going to be a task that, you know, you didn't have time for, you know, like everything adds up. It's time, it's money, it's effort, it's energy. Do the small thing by checking and seeing what you have. I mean, this is the beautiful tip. Cook the food you already have first. And then when you need to go to the supermarket, just check and see what you have. Do an inventory check. Check in and see where you're at and what ingredients you do have. I love that because then that's where my my head and my mind starts going like this. Okay, what can I do with, okay, I have a punnet of strawberries left or I have uh, avocados or I have a couple courgettes left over. What can I do with this? Because I know that those are first in, first out. That's kind of the, the motto. Whatever goes in first needs to come out. First in, first out. So yeah, I'm glad that you're doing that. You're, you're already a chef. <laughs> it's these little things that really do make a difference. Like these little tips and tricks that really make a difference. And I'm the same. Like then as soon as I buy my produce, I put the old produce at the front and I'll tell my husband, I'm like, Nick, these three sweet potatoes need to be eaten first. These two avocados need to be eaten first. And he's like, right, got it, babe. Otherwise, that produce will go off and then the old produce will just go off and it's just wasting money. So I have this idea where for me personally, I would much prefer to run out of food than waste food. So I would rather have less and then have to go to the shops then have too much and have to throw something out. Like I actually get really sad when I have to like throw out. So the other day, Nick's like, oh, we got to throw this whole lemon out. I was like, the whole lemon? And he turned it around and it was all moldy and disgusting. And I was like, oh no, like that poor lemon. And I know it's so little, but it's like, it is, it's money. Someone has grown that, poured their love, their time and their energy into it. And it's just wasteful. And I don't like being wasteful. I really don't like it. So these little things that we can do really make such a difference. They really move the needle. And I love what you said, like it forces you to get creative. So for me, toward the end of the week, like usually on a Saturday, I call it my Saturday meal. I've usually got like one tomato, one courgette left, and I've got some organic brown rice pasta. I grate the courgette, cut up the tomato, brown rice pasta for my family. It's so simple. No one's left not eating something, but you can always make something. There's always something in there with these few little things. And one of the biggest things that I have learned is that the bags of spinach are one of the most wasted things in someone's house because they put them at the back, they get all wilted and disgusting, and then they end up throwing out the whole bag and they're throwing out the plastic. So I don't know. Is there anything else where you have noticed something that's constantly getting wasted? And what can we do about it? There's a lot there I can go off of. And I said you were a chef. You are a chef. You're, you're actually a, a restaurant now. You're, you're telling your, your, your kitchen staff, you're telling Nick, your sous chef maybe, saying, hey, we got to use these sweet potatoes first. I love that. <laughs> yeah, you got to start using the, the kitchen lingo, you know. And he needs to start saying, yes, chef. Whenever you say anything, yes, chef. He needs to respect that. He needs to respect the head chef in the house. You know what? I did some research in, in my new book. I, you know, I asked people, you know, how much food they were throwing away and what kind of items of food they were throwing away the most. And after getting, you know, tens of thousands of responses, the top five ingredients are ingredients that usually come in bulk or come in bags. So like potatoes, bread, bag spinach, apples, and bananas. You have a bunch of bananas and a bunch you might need one or two, and then they go spotty for the rest of the week, and they go brown, and then you're, what do I do with this? Apples, you have a big bag of apples, you have a bag of spinach, you have a bag of bread, you have sometimes a bag of potatoes. I know supermarkets have loose items, but you might see something on, you know, on sale, or the ticket price is lower, and psychologically, your mind goes, I'm going to go with the sale. I can, I'll do something with them. You kind of psych yourself up to say, yeah, I'm going to use the rest of these potatoes. But the, the bag spinach gets me every time. It still gets me. And the ways I reduce waste now with the bag spinach is taking it home, giving it a wash, submerge it in cold water. I take half of it, dry it and save it and put it in the fridge and I can use it in the next one to two days, put it in my smoothies or throw it into a stir fryer or, or in my pasta and cook it down. 
The other half, I blanch, I cook it in boiling water, submerge it in cold water. So I shock the, the leaves so it's this bright green color and I squeeze all the water out of it and place it in my freezer. I wrap it up properly and put it in my freezer. I can use that frozen spinach now. You know, I have all month to use it. I can put it into my smoothies, my stir fries, my soups, my salads, my smoothies. So endless options there. It's just a little bit of the preparation that needs to go into it before anything else. Yeah, absolutely. I love that we're creating restaurant Melissa over here, but I want to tell you another little thing that we do. So my beautiful husband, when I get home from the market, so I usually go to the markets myself because going to the markets with a toddler is a long process. (laughs) They want to eat everything. They want to try everything. So it's best that mama just goes by herself. So I go to the market by myself. I come home. Nick will wash every bit of spinach, lettuce, green, every leafy green that we get, every herb that we get. He will wash them. And he hates grit because it's all organic. Like there's still dirt on it. I don't mind a bit of grit. I don't really care. But he will wash every spinach leaf. He then spins it. He places them in glass jars inside the fridge. But I'm going to do your trick of steaming and then freezing some. I'm going to start doing that. So we wash all of our produce before we put it in the fridge. So I'll rinse the carrots, rinse the capsicum, rinse the cucumber, and then put them in, give them a little dry and put them in. Trust me, when you do this step, you are getting longevity out of your produce. And then I do all of my herbs, like my mint, my coriander, all of the beautiful herbs. I wash them, I put them in a glass jar in water in the fridge, and they last the whole week. If you do this little step, it takes five minutes, not even five minutes sometimes. Like it really doesn't take long. Do it on the weekend, get it in there, and then you will not be throwing out food and not wasting money. So you'll be doing your wallet a favor and the planet a favor. I think it actually takes longer to say what you want to do it's it's that quick and it's so it's respecting where food comes from and i think that's that's the why do we buy food oh because for me it's well we need food to survive but then i also have the joy and the pleasure of cooking food and sharing that with my wife and my family and my friends so respect where food comes from because along the way there are people who planted those seeds who washed them who watered them who took them from the ground and put them in a, in a bag or packaging. And, you know, there's so many pieces to the puzzle. There's so many parts that come before you just going home and bringing it home and leaving it in the fridge and not doing anything with it. And, oh, it's gone bad. Might as well throw it away. So you've thrown away essentially everything that proceeded before. So, yeah, well done. You, seriously, this is becoming Chez Melissa, Restaurant Melissa. Gosh, I need to come and visit you. I need to come to you now. Oh, well, I don't know about my cooking. I don't know about that. But I do take very good care of my produce. I can guarantee that for you. I'm proud of that. I want to switch gears a little bit and zoom out for a minute because you are a chef and you use food as this gateway into really important conversations about climate change and wastage and all of these important issues. Do you think that mainstream society is starting to get the fact that our daily food choices have an impact on the planet? Like when you appear on morning TV shows and you're chatting to people who don't live in this same wellness bubble that we do, do they get it? And if not, how can we spread this message wider? No, I often receive jokes. It's almost humorous. And I understand why. I mean, TV presenters, journalists, those who, who don't know me that well, or even just the, the random follower on social media who may say something, though I don't get that much of backlash on social media, I don't think people are really realizing it. I think what they see is, and, and I never want to be preachy and say, this is the way it's meant to be. You have to do this. I'm just going to do what I do. This is how I cook. This is how I eat. This is how I prepare my food. This is me. So take it or leave it. And it's important for me to not just push it in people's faces. And so I think most people, they feel uneasy. They feel a bit embarrassed. I think they're, they're dealing with their own subconscious thoughts of, 
oh, he's doing something that I don't do. And there's that disconnect, right? Why aren't I doing what he's doing? Or why isn't he doing what I'm doing? And there's this this tug of war that they have internally. And I see that and I just, you know, I smile and I laugh and go, yeah, well, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's food, you know? So it's, for me, it's not, I I don't need to be preachy. I'm not going to change anyone's mind. I'm not going to, I can't change anyone's mind. It's at the end of the day, Melissa, it's going to be you and the person who's listening who goes, I'm going to make that change myself. I, I'm the only one who can make that change. So the ball is in your court. The keys are in your hands. You're the driver of your destiny. Choose what you want to choose and do it. And the thing is, is change does take work, but it's like, how much do you want it? Like, how much do you really want to live this way or to be healthier? And I know some people, they don't want to change. They would rather live with the health condition or the disease. That's how much they don't want to make the changes. But I know for me, I am so open to growth and I have a growth mindset. I always have. Like if you tell me, oh, there's this way of doing something which is better for the planet, I'll be like, wow, tell me more. I'm interested. I want to hear. If there's an area where I can do better, I want to know more. And so I think it's about shifting our mindset from this fixed mindset to a growth mindset. And I do feel like this conversation of food waste is getting a lot more attention and maybe it's just in our bubble, but I do feel like it is getting a lot more attention What do you think is next for the food industry to focus on? What are we all doing today that if we don't yet realize is not so great for the planet? And in 10 years time, you'll be writing your book about that. Wow. There's a lot that we're doing right now that we probably should zoom out and rethink our choices. And I'm starting to change a little bit. I'm in this period of my journey and cooking, my cooking journey where I'm looking where my food is coming from a little bit more closely. You know, occasionally I, I let, let it slip and you just go, yep, that's fine. I can have, you know, papaya or mango. I'm in the UK. We're not growing papaya. We're not growing mango. So I'm, I'm starting to become a little bit more conscious of where my food is coming from, how far it's taken to get here. I really want to emphasize on seasonality. So I'm heading to the, my, my, farmer's market. So I live outside London. So I have a great community. I have a great farmer's market. So seeing the the producers and and the produce that they have, and it's amazing. I'm focusing more there. So I'm in this, I'm not in a limbo stage, but I'm in a period where I'm, my plates and my food is going to change. I think the way I cook is going to change. I'm actually, so I have friends coming over, like I said earlier, I had leftover basil or do you say basil or basil? Basil. Basil, basil. And some of the leaves were wilting and I thought, oh gosh, I need to do something with this. So I'm going to make an oil out of it. And what you have to do is you blend the leaves with oil until it's, you know, smooth as possible. And then you cook it on the hob for a little bit until it comes to a simmer, a light simmer. Then you submerge it into an ice bath. Uh, The pan shocks the color. This is blanching. This is the the simple method of blanching. So you can absorb and shock the color so it stays that vibrant color. And then you sieve and then you left with the oil. And I looked and I saw that I had the leftover basil leaves or basil leaves left over in the bag. And I thought, oh, I can't throw this away. What am I going to do with this? I spread it onto a sheet and I'm dehydrating right now. So you might actually hear the dehydrator in the background, but I'm dehydrating them. So then there'll be basil chips. Or I might blend them up into a powder. So then it's just like basil powder. So I'm going a little bit beyond my, oh, I'm just going to whip up a really quick recipe. No, this has taken me, you know, 24 hours to make. So I'm, I'm, I want to push my boundaries. I want to push my limits. And like you said, you have to, you know, step into change. You have to embrace it and have that growth mindset. So that's where I'm at. I love that. And I'm so glad that you mentioned about eating seasonally and then also just locally. Like how far has this mango come to get to my shops 
if it's not even summer. You know, these are the things that we need to really think about. And I think that's one of the benefits of shopping at the local farmer's markets because usually it is local produce and it's in season. And it's such incredible education for our children too, for them to go, okay, well, why don't we have mangoes anymore? Well, it's not mango season. It's not summer. This is their education. You know, I didn't know this growing up. No one taught me this growing up. I just thought that you could get broccoli all year round because we had broccoli all year round. And my parents didn't tell me that it was seasonal. And so now we have a veggie garden. And so I've learned so much about what grows in what seasons and it's incredible. So I love that. This is something that we need to think about. How far is our food coming from and is it in season? If it's not in season, don't eat it because it means it's come on an airplane from somewhere else. It's probably been irradiated. You don't want the things that it's been sprayed on to get through customs. Even if it is organic, they have to spray things to get through customs and it gets irradiated. People don't think about that. The thing is we have everything at our fingertips now, right? We have our phones, we have our laptops. If you're lucky and you're able to do so and you have the the privilege of that, you're able to have basically anything you want. Okay, you want Italian food tonight? You know, you know, you get on the delivery apps or you know, you want strawberries in winter, I'm guessing, cuz we're in different hemispheres. Are strawberries in the winter or in the summer for you? They're in the summer, so we've just planted some. We've just started getting them. Actually, berries are pretty good all year round here because it doesn't get freezing here, but we're pretty good with berries. Well, over here in this gloomy climate called the UK, we often have just strawberries during you know, a short period of the, of the year. So if there's moments where we can, okay, yeah, like you said, to your, you, know, you say to your kids, strawberries, or it's mango season, it's strawberry season, and we focus just on those periods, then we have something to look forward to. And we don't have that, I don't think, in today's society because everything's at our fingertips and we can have everything we want and there's no looking forward to something. And this anticipation, oh my gosh, oh my God, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to vegetables and fruits that are, you know, in the beginning of the year that come out here and I'm looking forward to seeing some of those. So it's slowing down a little bit as well. So slow down. What's the rush? My new motto for the last few weeks. What's the rush? Why are we rushing? Babe, I hear you. Why? My husband is such a reminder for me to slow down because I have that tendency. I'm a generator in human design. I'm an Aries in astrology. That's my sun sign. Like I'm a go-getter. I am like, let's do this. Let's go. Come on. Let's go, guys. When Nick's is like, whoa, 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 babe. We don't have to walk that fast. We don't have to do things that fast. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, cool. Oh yeah. So here's my handbrake and it's so beautiful, but you can't rush nature. Like so much of me wants my lemon tree to be thriving right now. And it's not thriving. I just planted it. My lime tree, my orange tree, I want them to be thriving. They're not. I have to be patient. And this is what I'm teaching my daughter. We plant something, we water it every day. And then you watch her face when she saw that first strawberry. She was like, mama. She was so excited. And it first comes green, obviously. Same with bananas. We have a lot of banana trees. They come green. And she'll be like, mama, can I pick it? I'm like, not yet, baby. It has to turn yellow. And she's like, she waits. And so she'll walk up to it every day and she'll go, not ready yet. Every day. I'm like, not ready yet. Not ready yet. And so she knows it's about being patient and you can't rush nature. So I love this conversation so much because I think that we're just not having it enough. And another thing that I don't think we talk about enough is so many people use time as an excuse to not eat healthy. They're like, I don't have time. I don't have time. Speaking of rushing, I don't have time. Nick and I wrote a book called Time Magic, Reclaim Your Time, Reclaim Your Life. and The truth is, is that it's not a priority for you and that's okay. Cooking is not a priority. So instead of saying, I don't have time, just say, cooking is not a priority for me. That's the truth. It's not a priority because if it was, I would make the time. So what would you say to someone who doesn't want to spend a lot of time in the kitchen? 
They want to still eat well, but they don't want to spend hours. You know what I mean? Visit Chef Melissa's restaurant or come to my restaurant and we'll cook for you. Great question. This is essentially me at the moment as well. I don't want to spend hours in the kitchen. I know I'm doing this project. I'm here to impress my friends as well. But I don't want to spend hours in the kitchen. I want to go off and do other things. I love cooking. I love it. It's like life, the change, the, the pace of things. It's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. I, lo- I love that. I love that philosophy. I love that, that outlook. I love that. The parallels of that strawberry that you mentioned, the story of the strawberry and your daughter. I love that. But when it comes to time and time management and in the kitchen and still cooking and having good food, ooh, I think it's about cooking what you enjoy and what your gut is saying. The one question that's probably the most often thing I say to my wife is, what do you want to have for dinner tonight? And we think about it and we think about it. And what do we have? Okay, we have this and we have that. I mean, there. I think that in itself is just, that's forcing me to slow down. That's my mental handbrake. But I think it's about just slowing down a little bit and seeing what you have. And to make dishes, I think, really stand out or really good or nutritious is just like getting as much in there as possible. Listening to a few doctors at, doctors at the moment that say, incorporate 30 different plants, fruits and plants, or just plants, 30 different plants in your diet every single week. And so that could be spices, that could be fruit, that could be a grain, and getting as much in there as possible. I'm not a health specialist, and I wouldn't say do it all at once, but I think it's just fun to see what you have. And I love that, you know, going back to what you said about the courgette and the tomatoes, it's like, yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Like, I'm going to put this together to make this dish for my family. It's it's simple like that. You don't need to have 15 ingredients. It doesn't need to be a Gordon Ramsay dish. It doesn't need to have your, you know, your classic two veg and your meat and your two veg or whatever it needs to be. It, you know, it could just be a simple dish. I mean, the other day we, I this is how kind of the mindset started all those years ago for me cooking everything I had is that I essentially cooked everything I had until there was nothing there. And then I went out to the supermarket to buy more food. I saved a lot of money that way. This is in my my earlier days. We didn't really have anything. We came back from holiday and we just had pasta, had this lovely olive oil, and we had some lemons. So I just we just made a simple pasta dish that was olive oil, lemon juice, lemon zest. There you go. And had it with the pasta and just thought, okay, this isn't restaurant, you know, it doesn't need to be you know, chef's kiss. It was something that we put to, pulled together. It was simple, practical for the moment. But I think don't rush. Don't force yourself to use up everything you have. Take your time. Enjoy the process. Absolutely. And when you have really good quality ingredients, like my example with that pasta, a couple of organic, beautiful tomatoes and a courgette, like they taste so good. And You don't need 15 ingredients because they just taste so delicious on their own. A little bit of salt, a little bit of lemon juice, good quality olive oil. Amazing. Yum. So I love that. For someone who is really wanting to reduce their food waste, what are three small steps that they can take at home today that will make a big impact? Only three. I don't think I have three. I have more than that. They're just going to flow out of me, Melissa. Go. Cook the food you already have. Write a list. Do your inventory check. Then make a list of the ingredients that you do want to buy and only stick to that list. Then there's freezing. Freezing is a great method. I love freezing. I don't know why people are shy to use this method. It's a great way. It's a valuable, it's a beautiful invention. The refrigerator is great. Use the refrigerator wisely and properly. You mentioned herbs going into water. I do this all the time. I change the water every couple of days. I reuse that water and I water my plants. I mean, there's so many different methods and tips and tricks along the way of different ingredients, but using the freezer and storing your food properly. I think we often, you know, we might throw all the fruit in one bowl. That's not good because there's gases that are releasing every time and things ripen up really quickly. So when you turn your back, that avocado's already ripe and spotty or the bananas are brown and spotty. So store your food properly. Donate food. Donate food to charities. There are people who are struggling to put food on the table. If you're not going to eat it, somebody else will. So donate those. I'm sure you have that in the in, in Australia. We have it here in the UK and the US where 
You can go on an app and donate your food and people will come and pick it up at a safe location. Or if you're in the opposite seat and you want to pick up food, which I've done as well, you can go on those apps and pick up food as well. Last but not least, wow. compost. Compost is important. Let's, let's close the loop. Let's put our food back into the soil. I love that. And I had no idea that you can go and pick up food and donate food and there's apps for that. I don't know if that exists in Australia. Maybe it does, but that is amazing. I have another little tip that I want to add. Cook only what you need for that night. So don't overcook because what I have noticed is people make too much and then they'll say, oh, I'll eat it tomorrow, but then they might get to tomorrow and then they don't want to and then they leave it another day. And then by that day, it's disgusting and they end up throwing it out. So they throw the whole thing out. So we always cook the right amount for our family. If for some reason, like the other night, Nick thought we were having visitors that night for dinner. So he made this beautiful, delicious kitchery with red lentils and it was so yummy, but he made so much of it thinking we were having guests. And I was like, oh no, they're not coming anymore. So I ended up dropping off food to friends. I have friends that live around the corner. I'm like, we've made too much food. Have you got dinner? And they're like, no, they come over, they pick it up. It's so good. Give your food away to your friends. You can freeze it as well, or you can eat it the next day. But yeah, we try and just make the right amount. Good. I love that you gave food to your friends. That that I, I do that in the countryside. I knock on my neighbor's door and I'm like, I have extra food. Do you want it? And they're like, yes, please. Rarely ever do people say no. I don't know if it's me or it's just food in general. People love receiving food. They, it's a gift. Food is a gift. And it's this joy, that spark. I think people will always remember, oh yeah, I remember that one. And But we need to get back to that. We need to come back to community and the sense of community and coming together. Absolutely. And you can feel the love that they have poured into that. It's so beautiful. I love receiving food. If anyone is listening to this and they want to drop me some food, you are more than welcome to. I love it. And I love doing it as well. It's such a beautiful thing. I would love to hear now if you had a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world, now, besides your books, I think they should definitely be in the curriculum. What is one other book you would choose? And it doesn't have to be on food. It doesn't have to be on food waste or anything like that. It could be on any topic. But what is that one book you would choose? Oh, gosh. Melissa, quick story. I didn't learn to read until I was, well, gosh, I forgot when I, well, I didn't learn to speak until I was about five or six years old. I was taught sign language as a kid. So yeah, I, I was pretty much mute up until then. So reading was really difficult for me as a, as a child. But now over the last couple of years, I've been reading books and I've made a goal of reading one book a month. And I've, I've been doing that, you know, around two, 200, 250, 300 pages a month. And I'm like, yes, I'm doing it. You know, it's so hard. It's, I can't read fast. My wife reads about two books a week. I'm like, she just burns through them. I'm like, geez. One book I really love. Oh, the one that just keeps coming to my mind. Oh my goodness. It's by Phil Jackson. He was a basketball coach for the Los Angeles Lakers. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because he uses, and I forgot the title, The Last Dance, I think it's called. They did a documentary, but it's not on that. It's, I forgot the name of the title, but the author is Phil Jackson. And he brings in meditation and awareness and mindfulness into the sport of basketball, which is the sport where it's just go, 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 go. But he's bringing in this element of like, let's slow down, let's visualize. He sat his team down and they would meditate. I mean, this guy has won multiple championships. He, I think he's won nine, nine or 10 championships as a coach and as a player, he's won, I think one or two. So he, he just knows he has, you know, his hands are filled with like championship rings. So I love that he's brought mindfulness into the sport. And because of that, it made him a successful coach. So I'm applying that to my own life, but through cooking, can I be a little bit more mindful? Can I slow down? 
Can I really see what this dish looks like? Don't rush to cook it to then put it on the table. It's not going to taste good. Yeah. I love that. We can apply that to every area of our lives, you know? He's got a couple of books, The Mindful Athlete, The Last Season, Sacred Hoops, 11 Rings, Mind Games. I mean, was it 11 Rings? 11 Rings. Yes. It sounds amazing. So yeah, I love that. And yeah, we can apply mindfulness to everything we do, not just cooking, not just basketball, but the way that we are with our children, the way that we do the dishes, the way that we move through our day. Everything is a moving meditation and you can either rush through your life with that go, go, go energy and that stressed energy, or you can choose to come back to the present moment and to really move through every moment with presence and inner peace and contentment. And I know for me, that is a much nicer place to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, my friend, I've got a few rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Let's do it. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Meditate. What type of meditation do you practice? TM. Yeah. Transcendental meditation. Me too. Yeah. I love it. Beautiful. What is one thing that we can do for our wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Slow down. Definitely. And what is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Hug. Hug more people. (laughs) Just give hugs. I love that. I think you need 12 hugs a day for your mental health. Really? I love that. 12. 12. I don't think I get 12. Do you do long hugs? Like not just like a, you know, short one. Do you do, do you do long hugs? That comes to slowing back down, right? Like why are we rushing the hug? Yeah, why are we rushing the hug? <laughs> Stop the rush of the hugs. And I think it's somewhere, I think there's, there's some science around it, like a specific number, like seconds of when, you know, the, the chemicals in our brain are like, you know, reach euphoria. I don't know if it's euphoria that we reach when we give hugs, but, you know, I think it's around six or seven seconds. Like that's like, we want to get to that because we're so often of, it's a quick hug or a handshake. And it's like, no, we're not, con- we're not connecting. Yeah, I agree. I've got a friend who's a really long, deep hugger. And I'm like, oh, I feel so good. It reminds me to hug more. So everyone, this is your homework. Go and do 12 long hugs today and every day and just see how you feel when you do that. I think I'll get 12, uh, 12 in today. I have, I have about, I think, 10 people coming over today. And then I have my wife and I can give myself a hug. So there we go. There's 12. Yeah, perfect. I love it. I would love to hear now about your morning routine. I love hearing about how people prime themselves for the day, what rituals and routines you do, and then talk us through like a quote unquote typical day in your life from when you wake up to when you go to bed. When do you meditate? When do you work out? Talk us through a quote unquote typical day. I absolutely love this. So my it all starts the night before for me. I have routines in, in the evening. I do the same routine every evening. You know, cleanse my face, brush my teeth. I might read a book or I put my legs up against the wall and I like, I'll stretch. My wife is always like, you're always stretching. I'm like, you, you know, you have to be, you have to stretch. You would love Nick. He's stretching every night. And I'm like, can you just get into bed? And he's always stretching, always. Got to stretch, got to keep the body limber. So that's how I get into bed. And then as I'm falling asleep, I say a few, some, some good thoughts to me. I say some good thoughts to myself and to my mind and to, for the world. And, and then off I go into my sleep. And the first thing I say when I wake up is, today's going to be a great day. And I say that and I try to go outside as soon as I wake up. So I try to get outside as soon as I wake up so I can take in not just the weather, but the light hitting my eyes and the color of the trees and the plants around and breathing in that fresh air in the morning. It's usually, you know, no one's usually around at that time. So it's quite, you know, quiet. Obviously, I brush my teeth and, you know, scrape my tongue and do all that. And I get on the, you know, get down on the floor and meditate, you know, 10, 20 minutes if I can. Cold shower. I love a cold shower. I've been doing cold showers just before I moved to Australia. So it's, I've been doing it for years now. And it's just every morning I just take cold showers. And 
I do some form of exercising, whether that's Pilates or yoga or a run or strength training or stationary cycling. And then I get into my day. I might have a coffee and then I have breakfast. I usually delay breakfast a little bit until about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. I delay breakfast. I do it just because I'm not hungry, but I'm in, in one way it's kind of, I'm doing a bit of a intermittent fasting. And I'm just at my laptop basically all day, answering emails, speaking to my team, seeing what tasks need to be done. But I try to find breaks throughout the day. Because I live in the countryside, I can go out for a walk and have a call on my headset and just go for a walk in the countryside. And we live in an area where six months out of the year, farmers, I think they're farmers, they just bring their cows and their cattle and they drop their cattle off on this common. And the common is uh, protected. It's 13 miles and there's cow grates, so no, no cow can escape or, or run away. But they literally own this land. And so there's signs everywhere that say, you know, slow down, slow down, cows, slow down. So it's a good me like mental awareness every six months of the year, I see this slow down. But yeah, I, I try to get outside as much as I can, have dinner. Usually at the moment, because the weather's so nice, we'll have dinner outside. We'll normally go to the top of uh, the common, uh, which is on like this very hilly part uh, patch. And we just look out into the distance, looking out to whales we're that close to whales, whales as in the country. And we just enjoy watching the sunset, having our meal, having dinner. So, and then it, the loop starts all over again. So I try to find moments, you know, my work is go, go, go. A lot of the time I'm filming a recipe video or I'm doing a podcast or I have to develop recipes or I'm filming something. Everything could be really go, go, go. And then I have to find moments and time throughout my day to break away, put my phone down, go for a walk leave my phone. On the weekends, I turn my phone off completely. I don't really talk about this, but I do this. My wife and I have started this thing. It's We've been doing it for about five years now called Offline 48. We turn our phones off for 48 hours. Family need to get in touch with us. They'll find ways of getting in touch with us. They know where we live. My parents, if they need to get in touch, they can get in touch with my in-laws who live right down the road. I mean, it's we're, we're happy being offline or and off technology for 48 hours. It kind of recharges our batteries. And so, yeah, we do that. We've been doing that for about five years. Heaven. That sounds so beautiful. Your whole day is just sounds so idyllic and divine and lovely. Nick and I do the same thing on the weekends. No phones. We don't turn them off completely because sometimes we need to message friends to catch up and things like that. But we do no work on the weekends and definitely no social media on the weekends, unless there's something that's really urgent, like we're launching something or something like that. But, you know, it's family time. And I cannot tell you how good that is for us, for our mental health, for longevity. It's not sustainable to be go, go, go on all the time. It's just not sustainable. I've done it and I've burnt myself out. So for us, and for our relationship, it's very important that we take that time offline away from work to really focus on us and our family and spending quality time together. And for us, we're in nature all weekend. We are at the beach, even in the middle of winter. Unless it's raining, we are outside at the beach with family, with friends, just having the best time, picnics. And that is what lights us up so much. Connection. That's lovely. Oh, yeah. The one thing we could do for, for ourselves is just to get connected to our surroundings and to earth and with our friends and our loved ones and not do it through our phones. Yeah. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. You're right. It's not the same. It's not. Although it's amazing. Like you get to connect with your friends that live overseas. It's amazing. But it's not. Nothing will ever replace in person seeing your friend sitting across the table from you, holding her hand or his hand, nothing will ever replace that, ever. Max, this has been so amazing. Is there anything else that you want to share? Any last parting words of wisdom? Slow down, connect, hug, laugh, read a book, eat some good food. Do something today that you're going to say thank you to yourself in the future for. I think that's the saying. I think it's somewhere along those lines. 
do something today that you'll thank yourself later for. Yeah, I love that. I've never said that before, but it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I always say my future self will thank me for this. On the Sunday morning when I'm washing all of my produce and I'm putting it all away, on Tuesday morning when I go to get the spinach that's already washed out of the fridge to put in my smoothie, myself then thanked my past self for doing that work. This has been so awesome. You have given so many practical tips and tricks that people can implement into their life and start to make such a big change for themselves and for the planet and for their wallet. So thank you so much. You are helping so many people all around the world. You are helping, you are serving, you are supporting so many people with your work by just being you and sharing your magic with the world. So how can I give back to you? How can myself and the listeners give back and serve you today? Ooh, I think it, it, it goes back to that, that previous question. Do something that you do something that your future self will thank you for. I think it doesn't often have to be this transaction, you know, me to you or, you know, I think sometimes doing it for yourself will also then benefit other people. People who will see you in a better light and people will see you and change because they see, wow, there are, they're a beacon of light. They're joyful to be around just by surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded and who have a positive outlook on life or, you know, who challenge you in, in good ways. I think just be your true authentic self is like the best way that you can support me and, and, and because it's all going to benefit everyone else. Or you can buy a thousand copies of my, of my new book. Either one. I mean, you choose. Whatever is like the low-hanging fruit, like go for it. And another thing you can do is if you do have any of Max's books, go and leave some reviews on Amazon. That helps authors so much. Go and leave a five-star review and an honest review on any of his books because it really moves the needle. I forget to mention this. So thank you, Melissa, for, for, for mentioning that. Or should I say Chef Melissa? <laughs> well, I have to mention it because I have four books. So I know what it's like. And no, every review means the world. So thank you, you know, for everyone who's left a review on my books. And I know for other authors, it really makes a difference. So if you have any of these books, if you get them, please leave a review. Now, Max, this has been so much fun. I could talk to you for another 10 hours, but I think we should just have a dinner next time and you can cook for me and we'll just chat then. What do you think about that? Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. I'll fly you to Australia and then I'll come to London. Let's do that. Sounds great. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. This has been such a delight and it's dinner time for me here now, so I better get in the kitchen. Enjoy. What are you making? Well, I'm not sure yet. I know we've got quinoa cooked. I know that we've got some black beans. I know that we've got some green beans cooked. So I think I'm just going to whip something together. I'm not sure what it will be like, but we'll see. We'll just get creative. Very much of the conversation we've just had. Love it. Exactly. Exactly. All right, my friend, thank you so much for being here. This has been such a treat. Thank you. Well, I am truly inspired to start to reduce my waste even more in the kitchen, to use the whole ingredient and to get a little bit more creative with my food. I'm definitely going to start to look at more of his recipes and more things that I can do. And I really would love to encourage you guys to start composting if you don't already. It is a very simple, affordable thing that you can do that will really move the needle for the planet. Start composting. Go out and grab a compost today and start and then let me know because I really, really want to know that you have done this. It's so important, guys. So I really hope that you loved this conversation. Go and check out Max's incredible recipe videos on his Instagram. And if you did love this conversation, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't already done that, please go and do that right now. It just makes the world of difference and I would be so grateful. So head over and do that now. And then come over to Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me what you got from this episode. I absolutely love connecting with you and I love hearing from you. So jump on over and tell me your top three key takeaways over there. 
Now, before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. 